Welcome to the podcast, the special event studio, COVID Conversations. My name is Scott North. I am the sales manager for TO Live. TO Live manages the three City of Toronto theaters, Meridian Hall in the St. Lawrence Centre downtown and Meridian Arts Centre uptown. My responsibility is to get private, non-ticketed special events into all three venues. We were about to launch the special event studio podcast when COVID-19 hit. Because we are now living in a different world, we want to get some perspective from my colleagues in the event industry and how they are managing. Welcome to the podcast, the special event studio, COVID Conversations. Our guest for episode nine of the podcast is the owner of JST Productions. He's a producer with credits such as the Canadian Screen Awards, Scotiabank Geller Prize, Genie Awards, Juno Awards, the Youth Media Alliance Awards, and multiple television credits. He's also worked with the NHL on All-Star Weekend and Stanley Cups. Aiden Cosgrave, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here. It is it is great to have you here, Aiden. Um, and and the first part of this podcast is going to be a little education for myself. Uh, so, you own a production company. You're you're a producer. What what does a producer do? Uh, producer's job, in my opinion, is uh, the best producers uh, bring together the best team. Um, to make them look good. Uh, so my job is to uh, hire the right people in all the roles that uh, I'm not an expert in uh, to ensure that uh, we put on a great event or great television production. Okay, so the one that I'm most familiar with uh, in your credits is Canadian Screen Awards. Um, we've done them, I don't know, probably six or seven times at Meridian Hall, which used to be Sony Center. You, you've been involved uh, as, as far back as I can remember, but there's also... There were multiple, like CPC did it one time, uh, Insight, Frank, uh, Barry Averich. He, 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 does he own Frank, the production company Frank? He is associated with Frank. I'm not sure if he's at what his relationship in terms of ownership is, but he definitely has a, a very strong working relationship with them. Okay, because then there's also Barry's company name is BTA. So is, is that's a production company as well? That's his. That's his primary company, and then I uh, and I believe Frank. I'm not sure. As I say I'm not sure what his ownership is in it, but uh, they work closely together on the television production side. Okay, so all those different production companies uh, produced the Canadian Screen Awards, and and so you're a hired gun. They bring you in for all of that. That's correct. Yeah, my my role with um, all of them was as a, a line producer. Um, so. When I was at, when it was a CBC production in house, um, I was hired as the in house uh, producer slash line producer working with the executive producer uh, who was hired by CBC, um, Mark McInnes, and um, then Frank uh, took it over with Barry Averich for a couple of years. Um, I worked with them for uh, one of their shows, um, worked with CBC a couple of times, I guess, in the first two years when it first became the Screen Awards, uh, the amalgamation of the uh, Genies and Gemini's. Uh, and then most recently uh, would have been working and was working with Insight uh, as their line producer. Um, line producer is a role that sort of allows you to move from different production company to different production company because my role is more uh, budget management um, than it is a, a creative role. It is partly creative, but uh, primarily a budget management role. So it's easy for me to move from production company to production company to support their uh, their initiatives. Okay. And, and with all of these awards credits, uh, to your name, that, you, you're kind of the awards guru, are you? <laughs> I wouldn't quite go that far, but I have uh, 
uh, for some reason uh, fell into them many years ago. I started out, uh, my first award show would have been, I believe, with the Canadian Country Music Awards as the driver captain, um, or was it the Gemini's as a production assistant? I can't remember. Um, well, one of the two. Uh, and then as my uh, time with Canadian Country Music Awards in particular uh, sort of rolled through, I evolved from uh, driver captain to, uh, I think I actually went from driver captain right to line producer. Um, and then uh, producing it for a number of years uh, through my company, uh, Big Green Hat Productions, um, which managed for a number of years. And then um, moved into some Junos with CBC and Lynn Harvey. Uh, and then uh, a Genie's uh, with Lynn Harvey, Insight, the CSAs. Um, so, yeah, I just, I guess my skill set from the budgeting point of view just became known for being and managing uh, live events and, and being able to handle the budgets uh, and, and timing of those shows for some of them as I was producing. We also had to worry about uh, getting off air on time. Okay, so it, a line producer handles budgeting? Primary role is, yes, budget management, hiring of crew, hiring of uh, all the various uh, parties and managing and overseeing uh, contracting uh, uh, in addition to uh, business affairs. Okay, and then like there's there's an executive producer and a supervising producer, and as you say, line producer. They all have different roles. Um, yes, they all have. Uh, you know, the executive producer is obviously in, in most cases the the final decision making position. Um, but as a line producer, uh, I certainly have a very uh, close relationship, working relationship, and need to have a very close working relationship with the executive producer, supervising producers, um, any of those roles. Um, in that. I need to be aware of sort of where they're headed and their thinking in order to ensure that the budget can handle uh, the creative uh, elements that they might be coming up with. Uh, so it's, it's an important uh, position to be uh, well integrated with all the other producers um, so you're aware of what's happening. Okay. Now, I've been in this business for 30 years now, and, and back in the day, with dealing with events, say just a, like a corporate event, it was always, you know, the title was event planner, but you know, over the last, I don't know, 10 years, something like that, it, 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 they're just now event producers. Is that, is that the same thing? Um, uh, no, I would say it's not. I think there's, um, a lot of, uh, event planners still out there. Um, and, and I don't, uh, I don't want to, yeah, I just think there's a slightly different level. Um, between an event producer and an event planner. Um, there are a lot of event planners managing great events, um, but often uh, maybe not to the same integration level that I might take an event being a producer uh, in terms of you know dealing with rundowns and dealing with uh, the overall uh, technical and budgeting, et cetera. Um, uh, I do feel there's sort of, I would say it's a different level of, of person uh, and okay. personality. Okay, perfect. Thank you for clearing that up for me. So now with, with all this stuff that you, you've done, Aiden, uh, prior to the pandemic uh, shutting us down. Pandemic? What? <laughs> now, were you busy? Were you busy before? Uh, yes. Um, had lots of, uh, was actually, well, uh, as you're well aware, working on the CSAs uh, at that time. Um, had a number of events coming up uh, in the uh, early spring. Uh, summer is always a quiet time for me. Um, so the summer was not a, uh, wouldn't have been a busy period. And then the fall and winter, uh, full lineup of all my uh, normal events, uh, Grocery Foundation Galas, Mayor's Evening for the Arts, uh, uh, and many others. Um, uh, so those were also in the works and in pre-production at that time as well. 
And, and as I said at the, at the start of this, you, you also you do work with the NHL. So you, do you do the All-Star game every year? I have been involved uh, with All-Star on some capacity since uh, 1990 um, when my first, uh, I, I was involved in making the styrofoam targets for the uh, skills competition. Oh, yeah. um, and, that, and then that evolved into um, uh, working on ice for the skills competition and then became uh, actually uh, all-star weekend producer for both the skills and uh, all-star for a number of years. And then most recently I've been supporting the league um, as producer for the skills competition. Gotcha. So, so way back then you would have dealt with Frank Sapovitz? Absolutely. Frank Sapovitz, one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. He's got quite the resume, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> I was, and it was Frank who I worked, uh, he was the one who actually very, uh, brought me in initially to, uh, produce, um, and, uh, change my role from uh, being involved with skills and the weekend to actually producing the weekend in association with him and uh, Sammy in his office. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now you're, you're, you're busy. You've got all kinds of stuff lined up your, your regular gigs throughout the year, uh, middle of March, uh, we we were virtually shut down. You you just lost all those events. Um, initially, um, uh, some of them went away. Some of them have now come back. Um, uh, in the sense that uh, a lot of the work I do do is charity based uh, work, so they needed time to take, sort of step away and see what their clientele looked like, how they might be able to. Uh, keep them engaged. One of the things I had suggested to all my clients, especially in the in the fundraising world, is it was really important to stay uh, and keep your uh, donors and sponsors engaged in some form, um, so that they whether you, this year's event was an online event uh, and you were able to get back to a real event uh, or an in-person event next year, to try to keep that uh, uh, that alive. And that's worked quite well. We've got a couple of um, a couple who have stepped away. Um, just for their own, you know, various reasons. I mean, there's a lot of um, a lot of reasons why uh, charities are having to sort of change the direction. Um, some of it, the corporate support and how willing corporates are to go after their sponsors or their uh, suppliers and vendors to support the event um, is challenging as well. But in most cases, everybody's trying to do some form of what they did to at least keep engagement and, and raise, obviously not as much as they used to, um, but still raise some funds. Okay. So, so over the course of the last four months, you've had some paying gigs. I was very fortunate to to quickly get the um, uh, City of Toronto's Canada Day uh, online event. I reached out to uh, a business colleague I'd worked with a number of times. I used to do a lot of the City of Toronto's uh, uh, special events for many years. Uh, reached out to them, and uh, by fluke, the timing was such that they were just in the process of looking for someone to uh, work with them and produce the uh, their online event. So. I was fortunate to uh, have a very busy um, two or three months right after we initially got locked down. Um, I was envious on one level that other people weren't as busy, um, uh, but on the other hand, I was very fortunate to have the uh, the income. And and uh, I will say it was a great event, and and I had recommendations from two of our vice presidents, Josephine Ridge, who is my boss and programming VP, as well as Matt Farrell, the VP of operations. Uh, Josephine was very complimentary of of your work on the Canada Day uh, festivities. And uh, so she, she actually ironically sent me a note saying, hey, this would be a good guy to have on the, on the podcast. And you and I had talked like the day before already, and then I had to tee it up to do it anyway. So you come highly recommended, Aiden. Well, I, I appreciate that. And it was a great pleasure actually working with um, Josephine, um, City of Toronto, uh, Iris, and also Iris down at uh, Harbourfront Centre. 
I mean, I was just one piece of the cog um, and the support that we had from uh, both Josephine and obviously Arborfront uh, and, and TO Live uh, was a major part of what made the event work. As you know, we were spent part of our uh, day with the mayor uh, in the basement uh, with the chef from uh, Scotiabank uh, doing a little bit of part of the uh, kickoff for our, our pancake breakfast morning event, uh, which was great. And we also did some shooting it uh, up in North York at the uh, Arts Centre as well. Um, so it was a great uh, it was a great collaboration between uh, you know three very different operating organizations, quite frankly, um, each with their own different uh, approach. Uh, one being government, um, uh, Harborfront, and then To Live. Um, so it was an interesting experience on that level. And then we also had a great opportunity to work with the Elmo. Um, the Elmo Combo had uh, uh, planned to open on April first, but of course they did not. Um, but they have a great uh, working venue in there with with uh, full lighting, cameras, and sound. Uh, so that made the experience, I think, for a lot of the, the artists that were participating, uh, a good one. Perfect. And and I just just a note, you you referred to the basement. That's at Meridian Hall. <laughs> we call we call it the lower lobby. <laughs> My apologies. Um, That's all right. That's all right. I knew what you were talking about. I just want to make sure everybody out yeah. there did, there was yeah. picturing you in a dark basement or something. No, no. It was a it was a fabulous kitchen. Um, and Bruce, uh, your executive chef, was extremely uh, helpful in getting that all organized. And it's a lovely lower lobby. Um, where, where we've spent much time in terms of CSAs, uh, red carpets, etc. Um, so, uh, my apologies for uh, making it sound like the no. basement <laughs> and the That's storage not, room. Not a problem. You're not the first. You won't be the last. So, so you you had to. So there was multiple artists that performed over the course of a, a number of hours on Canada Day. So you had to set that up. You were tasked with what certain artists, and you had to find the venue and, and, and get them in and, and get them recorded. Is that, is that what you did leading up? Yeah, I was, I basically was the content producer and overall event day uh, producer in terms of uh, managing it. We, uh, when we first got involved, both Iris, myself and the city, we all agreed that we wanted to certainly have our morning and evening show to have a, a more a concert uh, look to it and um, didn't want to do and wanted to avoid as much as possible uh, too many uh, at home um elements uh, and performance recordings. We had a great afternoon lineup with a number of outdoor uh, shootings and, and uh, phone and iPad uh, footage. All looked great. The artists that we had did a phenomenal job of making it look uh, great and sounding great. Um, but for us, the morning and evening, as I said, we wanted to have that uh, more live element. So we did a couple of different things. We had a number of pre-recorded elements. Uh, it was a total of five uh, hours and 15 minutes or so of programming. Um, would have been uh, wouldn't have been impossible to do it all live, but it would have been a a fairly major undertaking. And with COVID, uh, one of the challenges, of course, is is ensuring we're keeping uh, physical distancing. And we were one of the first groups at that time. This was back in mid July, or sorry, mid June, uh, when we did some of the initial pre tapes at the Elmo the fifteenth of June. Um, we were one of the first to sort of get permission from Toronto Public Health to be allowed to have. We had like twenty odd people uh, working in the Elmo. Um, and then bands, of course, uh, but it would have been very hard to do band changeovers um, in a normal environment if we tried to do all our bands live. Um, the ability to stay physically distanced, et cetera, and cleansing and, and uh, cleaning would have been impossible between bands. So we created it. We did a bunch of pre-records, as I say, which gave us lots of time between able to do sanitation, et cetera, and to move our crew slowly uh, to do the process. And then the live elements, which we did have on Canada Day, were all in such a way that they weren't interacting with each other, similar to the Meridian Hall uh, lower lobby in the kitchen there was a, a live hit. Um, 
but it was the only live thing that was happening there. We then had, and we had a live hit outside. So those are two separate spaces. We had hosts live down at the Rogers Center in the uh, Dome Productions uh, studios. They again were uh, physically distanced and, and we had no changeover happening there. Uh, and then at the Elmo, we had uh, four, or I'm trying to remember four, I think it was four or five of our performances were live from the Elmo on the day, but they were, first of all, they have two venues upstairs and downstairs. So we moved our show so that we were upstairs, then downstairs. So again, we had the time to ensure that we could do the sanitation and cleansing, cleaning and uh, uh, both the green rooms and the dressing rooms, et cetera, um, so that there was a, a smooth uh, process. We could never have done uh, five bands back to back at the Elmo uh, on the same stage. It just wouldn't have been, uh, it would have been a risk. Um, and we weren't willing to obviously take that risk, um, certainly at this time. So, so you went through all that, didn't take any risks. So, so successfully uh, maintaining all of those protocols. And, and now we're, you know, 30 days past that date. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's healthy. We had um, uh, zero instances. Um, you know, as uh, it certainly was one of my biggest concerns. Um, I was the one that had been pushing for getting uh, the, the Toronto Public Health on board um, and putting all the. I didn't put the protocols in place. Um, Lauren from the City of Toronto and the City of Toronto created all the documentation and paperwork. Um, and thankfully, they had that ex staff ability to do that because um, it was a tremendous amount of work. Uh, to ensure that we had protocols in place and we had everything laid out. We had the, the floor marked with tape and you know, all the signage and everything else to do it. And it was definitely one of my concerns. I mean, certainly on the 15th of June, uh, we spent three days there shooting. Um, I was uh, certainly concerned between then and July 1st because obviously if anything had happened or any one person on that crew that worked those first three days um, had uh, come down with COVID, I'm not convinced we would have been given permission to go back in on July 1st. Um, yeah. So, uh, and now we're past uh, 30 days past the July 1st. I am certainly after that amount of time and have had heard nothing. And everybody knows to uh, reach out if there were had been any incidences. We were very clear with all the crew and, and staff on board that we had to be aware of it. Um, and we've uh, had no incidents whatsoever. Uh, the most we had is, is we did have on one day, uh, one individual during the shooting on July 1st, um, actually on July 1st, uh, suddenly felt very busy. Um, and we think it was primarily due to the heat because it was a quite a hot day, but yeah. she was, she was immediately sent home, uh, and immediately asked to, uh, go and have a COVID test, uh, which came back negative. So we, uh, we were very fortunate that there were no instances, but I didn't really anticipate, you know, I did worry about it, but I didn't anticipate there would be, cause we were very careful, uh, with everybody and ensuring everybody understood, um, the importance. Uh, one of the key things with our, our, our business, and it's, it's definitely going to be changing over as we move forward, I think, um, certainly until we have vaccines, et cetera, was instilling in all of the staff and everybody involved that um, everybody uh, needed to be honest with each other. Uh, we are a business that come to work when we're sick, always have been, yeah. um, because we think we are uh, indispensable, indis what's the right word? Um, that we, 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 the job can't go on without us, uh, basically. Yeah. Um, the reality is I had to make sure that everybody understood that no matter what your role was, mine included, um, the director, uh, didn't matter what level the position was, cameraman, uh, jib operator, who's a specialized camera operator, any of the roles we had, uh, even in the dome mobile where I had eight people working in the mobile. Um, if anybody had anything, stay home, we'll figure it yeah. out. Um, and that's going to be a hard thing for people to uh, accept that for the near future anyway, if you are on a project, 
you have to just, just call in and say, sorry, I'm not coming. And the company and the business will have to deal with it. Um, and that's going to be a hard thing for some people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you, you did all that. You, you basically oversaw all that, managed all that, did it successfully. But then you also, you also took care of the money because I know I had to send you an invoice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did take on the role of line producing as well. Um, that was more of a budgetary decision early on. Um, there was a, there was a decent budget. Um, uh, Heritage Canada had uh, funded the majority of the the event, as they were planning to uh, do a live Canada Day event down at Harbourfront in conjunction with City of Toronto. So we had a a decent budget. I'm not saying it wasn't, um, but early on we had things we wanted to do, and uh, one of the first line items we did sort of end up removing was the line producer role, um, partly because that's uh, part of, it's a lot of my experience. So I just took that on. Uh, so that we could move monies into uh, primarily talent and, and other more important uh, areas for the show. Gotcha. Understood. Now, so we're, we're I guess it's tonight uh, or midnight tonight. We go into phase three. Um, do you see, you, you know, you, you've had that experience with the, with the Canada Day virtual event. How, how do you, is, is phase three going to make it different, going to make it easier to, to do more, do you think? Like, do you have do you have any gigs lined up in the next say September, October? I have a couple of virtual events or online events, uh, no in-person events. So I am working on um, a couple of different events where I'm proposing a hybrid um, approach where uh, some of the event will take place at the venue that it was originally intended to be uh, taking place at um, with hopefully some audience, depending on what kind of size audience we're allowed. My first one's in December, the other one's not till uh, January. Um, so we're, uh, I, I'm looking to try to, I mean, there's some great studios in town. Uh, a number of companies have set up, um, you know, studios in their warehouses, uh, with some great looks. Um, but it doesn't bring the viewer to the event that they originally had intended to go to. So what I'm trying to, uh, work with my clients is to, it costs a little bit more money, um, but to go into the venues we were originally supposed to be there so people can have a feel of a bit more normal as to what they're experiencing. Uh, rather than going into uh, studios, not that I'm not saying we wouldn't go into a studio, um, but uh, where possible, we're trying. I'm trying to uh, bring people into uh, the experience they were presently that they originally thought they were going to be uh, participating in. Sure, and and I'll tell you, we we would certainly appreciate that. Um, but as you know, more than most, uh, we, you know, we run with a unionized crew, so a, a studio. Some of your studio clients or, or studios that you work with. You, you could just go in there and, and bring your own folks uh, to, to produce something? Um, most of the ones that are set up right now are more in the, uh, the rental business um, uh, world, so like Westbury's, FMAVs, and, those, and Solotex, those kind of places. So they would uh, probably use mostly their own staff to, from a technical point of view. Um, I would bring in just more of the you know, uh, stage management, producing, and talent uh, side of it. Um, and the challenge in some of those spaces is they, that the stages that they're there are more suited to a corporate business style setup. You know, a couple of chairs on a, on a stage. Uh, they look great. They feel great. They're well shot, uh, all very professionally done. Whereas uh, some of the other things I do, like the Mirrors Gala, which has um, entertainment, I need space for a band or a dance group. Um, so I need a little bit more room, which is the other reason why I'm uh, trying to make our events happen in uh, their, the original uh, venue. So when is the Mayor's Gala? Uh, first week of December. First week of December. So that that's your typical like seated dinner 
type. I mean, yep. I mean before it's just, okay. Yep. So, so you are, are probably going to make that into at least a port. Like it's going to be virtual. Uh, yeah, so it'll be it'll be an online experience. Um, we'll do some hopefully meet and greets with uh, with the mayor for some of the sponsors, but then in the in the room at the MTCC, we would set up a stage, uh, screens. Uh, right now we're, and this is not as we know right now it's only fifty people inside as of tonight, um, but uh, we're we're doing our drawings and our and our look right now based on a hundred people. Um, assuming there might be couples at a table or maybe a foursome uh, and uh, not sure how to, whether the foursome quite works because it's only a 66 inch round. So are we legitimately in that six feet, et cetera? Um, so we're just working on some of the preliminary drawings of how that would lay out. Uh, so there'll only be a, 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 a live audience of a hundred. The idea potentially being that maybe those are sponsors, maybe those are key stakeholders, uh, depending on what their corporate world allows them to do. Um, but, Right now, I think we, you know, from my point of view, everybody needs to be thinking about what can, what can we do to evolve. Um, if we just stay online, we're kind of cheating everybody um, when there may be potential to uh, bring a little bit of uh, the event back to to where it was before. Okay, so if you you've got a hundred people in there at rounds, and and then you're filming everything, so anybody else that wants to be a part of this will just watch that from their computer. That's correct. So they would be, uh, depending on what platform, there's a number of different platforms. Obviously, a lot of people are using Zoom, but there's a, a number of different uh, software platforms out there that uh, bring a, a slightly different experience than Zoom um, to the audience, uh, whether it be a, a conference-style setup or uh, some of the um, uh, office um, virtual office softwares. Um, so we're looking at different softwares to see how we can manipulate them to uh, work for us more in an event environment. Gotcha. So now you, you've, I mean, the Mirrors Gala is a good example of, of, of I mean, my, my kind of third question to you is how do you foresee us coming out of this at the, at the other end? Uh, so you are, you are looking ahead and, and forecasting that you may, you may have 100 people for the Mayor's Gala. Then what do you think, like, what, are we ever going to come back to full capacity live events? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, that, that's, that's going to take some time. Um, though, if you watch some of the activities in the United States, um, they're already, uh, doing that, <laughs> whether yeah. we, whether we agree with it or not. Um, I think it's going to be public, uh, and corporate, um, comfort that's going to, um, uh, move things forward. Um, I'm aware that in Winnipeg, there was a wedding of 150 people, um, uh, they did a very unique approach to it. Uh, my understanding is what they did was at the time, their policy in Manitoba was only 50 people in a room at a time, but they created, I guess, at the convention centers, I understand this, how it went. They were able to create, in essence, three 50-person spaces all within the same room um, okay. and created entrances and exits for those groups separately, washed them separately, feeding separately. Though they were in the room of 150, um, they were bubbled as groups of 50, and uh, local health apparently uh, approved the uh, proposal as that, that approach. So I think it's a number of things that are going to help us move forward. It, it's, it's us as people in this industry um, uh, thinking about what we can do and being innovative in that thinking um, and understanding that if we just sit and stay online, it's, it's not going to help anybody. Um, in our industry in the long run. It's going to be a short-term fix. 
um, and all of us as, as venues, uh, producers, uh, entertainers, we all have to, and public health, has to be open to uh, looking at different approaches as to, so that we can bring people back together slowly, um, but in unique ways that maybe you wouldn't have thought about before. Sure. And so, and so I, w- I would venture a guess that uh, it's, it's, it will never be exactly the same. I'm sure there's going to be things that come of this that, that we learn that, hey, it doesn't work that bad and uh, um, that go into events and live events as, as we go forward. Well, the, the, the individual at the or, um, orchestra coughing in the back row will be shunned. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, people won't want to hear the opening of the candy wrapper even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah there's, all, there's all kinds of things that will come of this. So, Aiden, uh, anything else? Any, any parting thoughts? No, I don't think so. Uh, thanks for the time. I, I hope uh, some of this was, uh, will be of interest to those who uh, to listen. Absolutely, Aiden. I, I appreciate your time, and uh, you got a, a great list of experience, and, and I appreciate the content that you provided here. Wish you all the best. Stay safe and healthy to you and your family, and I'll look forward to seeing you down the road. Yeah, you too. Thanks for your time. Okay. Take care. While our doors are closed for the moment, we certainly still are working into the future. If you need anything, don't hesitate to shoot me an email at scott.north at tolive.com. That's S-C-O-T-T dot N-O-R-T-H at T-O-L-I-V-E dot com. Thank you very much for listening.